Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they have built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. I'm Emily Laster, and on the show, Lauren and I interview Elizabeth Cook, owner of Domino Media Group. Elizabeth shares with us what the process of selling her business was like, how she decided it was the right time, and the advice she would give to other business owners that are considering the same. Yay. Well, thank you, um, Elizabeth. Thank you for being here for our Atlanta launch day. Elizabeth is um, zooming in from, remind me where you're zooming. Are you in Columbus or are you? i in from Columbus, Georgia. That's great. I, we love Columbus. I love a good scramble dog. It's one of my favorites. So anyway. Um, okay. So tell me, I'm going to put myself on mute while I'm not, while you're talking, but can you tell me first, just a little bit about your story. We'd just love to know everything about you. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that the Wealth Edit is here in Atlanta, and um, I think it's such an important topic, especially for females and, and entrepreneurs. But I, a little bit about kind of a brief backstory is um, I, lived in, I lived in New York where I worked as kind of a think tank for big companies who paid over a million dollars a year in retainer-based services. I just love coming up with kind of weird, quirky, out-of-the-box ideas to generate excitement in front of the consumer or in front of an editor. At night, I was going to Parsons School of Design, and when I moved to Georgia after three and a half years in New York, I was always playing with um, a line of hair accessories that I wanted to create, and I had gone to Parsons and I had this idea, but I'm not really a maker. I'm more of somebody who shapes the brand story and can come up with all the facets behind that. Um, but at the same time, I was still trying to do my little product and I was hot glowing hair barrettes, because, but because of my background in public relations, it um, catapulted the barrettes way faster than it would otherwise. And so I learned a lot about having a small business of my own. And then through that, it became kind of a, a case study for my creative work that later became Domino. Um, that's amazing. And so, so you, called, you sold your company at age, how old were you? I was 26 when I sold my first business and it's about to be 27. And that happened um, really serendipitously and also was a kind of a win-win scenario for who I sold it to and also for myself. And I think when talking about what makes sense in terms of selling a business, you have to think about what that business is worth to you, what from a monetary value, but also personally. And I felt very good with the hands that the business was going into. It was a friend of mine in Texas who was looking to expand her lifestyle brand and hair barrettes were one facet of that. I also had a very um, large Rolodex of stores that she would inherit through that and a large email list. Um, a lot of press features. So when anybody's looking to sell a business, I think it's important to think about what are the intangible assets as well as those tangible assets that you have and make a, a big list of those items. Um, but I had also, we had just been featured in Good Morning on Good Morning America. And I, through that experience, I mean, it, it, I think back now to it, and it was such a life-changing thing for me personally, because when we were featured on Good Morning America, I sold, I think, 15,000 units in 24 hours, which at the time I had 300 units when they had agreed to, to put us on TV. And you can look at each second in a retrospect as a number of sales you're going to make. And we now have a lot of clients who will do these deals and steals segments with Tori Johnson, who I was a part of, um, who was so gracious to have uh, my small hair business back on 
or on back then. But through that, um, I sold so many units that I put six months down in cash for an apartment in Atlanta, moved up, was able to work essentially 60% of my time through PR because at that point people were so confused and perplexed on how my small hot glued hairbread business was on Good Morning America or at the time we were getting press features on in Vogue and you know 17 magazine and in style and all of these cool places that a lot of brands who had products that far surpassed mine couldn't wrap their head around or were curious and they wanted some some guidance in that department so I was helping people on a freelance basis um, and it really became a domino effect. And I'd like to think public relations becomes a domino effect for any business. But after Good Morning America, I say that because it was at a high note. We really, um, our sales had never been better. I also had a little bit of savings in order to do my next venture. Um, and it helped fund both ventures that I was doing simultaneously, helped fund one another at different points um, throughout. But, but that's kind of kind of how it all happened um but I was a baby when I think about it now how it all yeah happened. I mean and I'm so sorry it's so loud we had this art lunch and I'm trying we're you know going live from here and it's a little bit loud in the background but okay so tell me about so Good Morning America was really like the snowball effect that's really what started it and then how did you keep up like how did you keep up with the demand you didn't have enough product for your first like you went on the show and then you didn't have as much product from what i'm hearing is what you needed so how did it go from there how did you get that right so it, i i was at atlanta market which is the number one gift trade show in the country that was in january and i had before um kind of i always i think i come up with these weird kind of big ideas a lot of times that work to my advantage and also to my detriment sometimes but um I remember watching TV a month prior to America's Mart and being like, yes, that's it. I need to get my hair barrettes on a national stage in front of people and broadcast. I was like, how did I not think about this sooner? Because I was used to putting people on TV while I worked with clients in New York and I knew the power of TV and I knew the power of these segments. So I got really excited and I sent Good Morning America an email and I sent in a packet with my hair accessories and they essentially wrote me a note back quickly thereafter that said, thank you, but no thank you. And um, so when I saw that this, the host of the segment was gonna be in Atlanta, Georgia at a conference that I was already at, I blew up um, huge nine by 12 poster board pictures of the hair accessories in here because it's kind of hard to visualize. And I had about 10 of them. I was the last person to leave the conference. I went up, shook her hand, introduced myself. Um, I had a letter, like a little folder packet with all of our press placements with information on the line, con my contact information, and I had all of these 9 by 12 phone board copies that I remember cost me like $60 at Kinko's and being like, do I really want to do this? Because that was such a cost back then or an expense. And um, But I figured if she was gracious and, you know, gracious enough to let me on, I would figure out a way to make this segment happen. And when she started asking me questions like, do you have... I think she said at the beginning, like, do you have at least 4,200 units ready and available? I said, of course, yes, I have them. And, um, and she asked all these questions and I just said, yes. And I think that's a big part of life is saying yes and figuring out things as it comes your way, especially opportunities. And I feel like I was present enough to realize that she was gonna be, you know, I could go and I, I could talk to her in person um, that just because they had said no over email doesn't mean that the, the door was closed quite there. And so she ended up emailing me after America's Mart and saying, we had a cancellation and we have an opening six weeks from now. And 
I said, yes. And, um, and it was, it still makes me swell with so much pride because I was living in Columbus, Georgia, which is my hometown and where I am today. And the whole city really rallied together. I had a local stationery shop in town. Let me pull all nighters where I engraved the back of my name on hair barrettes. The local lady who owns a cheese straw business in town drove to Atlanta and picked up packaging. My sister flew home from Texas and I rented an apartment and hired two girls who wanted extra hours at that apartment complex. One didn't, um, didn't, uh, she would tell me to put down the wheat thins because I stress eat. And so she was a professional bodybuilder. And the other one doesn't, didn't drink after one bag night at Houlihan's. And the whole, we were like the Motley crew. And, but we somehow got every order out. And, you know, through that process, I was, my business became in a really good place in order to sell it for somewhat of a profit. And I also had money in the bank to be able to move to Atlanta and get the apartment that I wanted and furnish that apartment and feel like I had a little bit of savings in order to be able to make that next move. Um, so that's kind of how it all, all came about, but it's really, um, I'm so, it, there was a lot of pieces that came together in my favor in order to make it a reality. Well, I love how you were, this is what I think sometimes we miss as women, or we're so, there's such a self-consciousness around what we do, you know, and putting ourselves out there. That's what been a big theme of today is like just saying yes. So just kind of trying to think creatively, saying yes. And then, you know, yeah, do I have 4,200 hair breaths? Absolutely. You know what I mean? And just making it work and, you know, just behind the scenes almost like a swan on top of the water like looks beautiful but is pedaling underneath to make sure it happens so we really appreciate that okay and so then talk to us about because a lot of women that are part of the wealth that are, who are listening in today own businesses and the you know a big way to create wealth in america is to own your own business and to sell it so talk to us about like how you prepared yourself for a sale what you did in advance what you would do over again and i can ask these questions a little bit you know later so i in preparing for the sale um i made a list of all of the tangible and intangible assets that i owned in terms of tangible assets it was things like the product inventory um the graphics that had already been made you know and intangible things like the social media follower account and engagement rate i had i calculated it made statistics a, a long list of anything i could think of um and then i actually thought of a short list of people who could make sense and where this could make sense into their business. And I think with public relations, it's a lot about finding solutions. And so my frame of mind was already, because I do that on a regular basis, trying to get stories planted for people. It was a little bit along the same lines, but instead of looking at a media outlet, it was like, how could, which businesses could benefit from this potentially and be open to it. Um, and then I created almost a package where the girl who, who ended up purchasing she was a friend of mine and it kind of became um, very serendipitously where I, I didn't go to anybody, I ended up just going to this one person and she told me she was interested and I really never continued to search past them because I was so, I so loved the idea of it continuing on in her hands. And at this time she had the funds, energy um, and time to invest in the growth of the business. And so those were all things that I knew that it was gonna become better in her hands um, which gave me a lot of solace with having this small baby. And I feel like the hair barrettes were such a blessing to me and gave me so many gifts outside of monetary value, you know, just from seeing people wearing in their hair to the confidence in growing a business. 
and I was aware of these things that I felt like were intangible assets that I had already already been given. Um, and so, you know, I looked at that as some reward, but I think that that's on an individual case by case basis on what you're trying to earn from the business that you sell. But to go back to a monetary front, I made those lists um, and then we just had discussions. And I also, because again, I probably, because of my background in storytelling and working in public relations, I said, if we do this sale, we need to message it appropriately and make sure it goes into your hands where people want to support and it doesn't feel like um, everything feels consistent and feels warm and feels like it makes a lot of sense. And, and I used to talk about these women with flair because it was called flair for your hair was the tagline in my business. And so the person that it was being carried on to 100% had that flair. And so I started kind of naturally talking about her more. And then um, when we made the sale, I reached out to different media outlets to talk about the sale. And it ended up being an exclusive on this website that's uh, is one of my favorites, but back when I was 26, it's called Glitter Guide. And Glitter Guide um, ran a, a profile Q&A about selling your business and about pros and cons and how that works. Um, and it was a nice carry-on where people could learn more information about the sale of the business and feel like they were in the know. And also there was way more information than we could share over a newsletter or over social that gave people kind of a peek inside of the curtain. We also did a photo shoot in Dallas, which is where the business is that I sold it to. Um, and I just happened to be there for a wedding. And I was like, I'm going to come by and we're going to get a photographer. And so that way it kind of visually would help with the storytelling element. And I gave those photos to Glitter Guide, but I did that all in the back end so she didn't have to worry. And then just sent intro emails to everybody because I had a product-based business that had a, a fair amount of, I think we were in 85 wholesale accounts at the time of the sale. So it's not a, like a huge amount, but it was a lot of new store accounts that she was, um, she didn't have at the time. And for those new accounts, I sent email intros out to everybody or picked up the telephone and called them and kind of let them know what was happening before the sale. And then um, was kind of just, a, I've always been since a cheerleader behind the scenes for them. How did you have the confidence? So that, that is amazing. And it sounds like everything just kind of worked out. How did you have the confidence or kind of tell us about, and we don't want to know the number. Mainly what I want to know is like, how did you have the confidence to put a number behind your business that you built? Yeah, so I think that's actually a really tricky question. and. Um, and something that I think is so funny to me personally, because, well, to answer your question, Lauren, I'm sorry, I'm jumping. I had my company evaluated and they gave me a number um, and that was essentially the base, but I didn't necessarily agree with it from that front because I felt like the brand had given me so many, so much already in a lot of ways. And it also wasn't worth what this financial guy was saying about my hair, my line of hair accessories. Um, so I think you kind of have to go back to what is, what is it worth to you? What does it mean to you? What do you need to get out of it? And so I got, I mean, all of my product inventory was, was, um, paid for. So I never owed anything on that front. And then I made a, um, what I, was a decent sale. And I also, you know, felt like it was going in good hands. So that made me feel really good. So it wasn't probably the optimal price that maybe it could have, could have come in at the end. Um, or what it was evaluated for, but it was for those reasons, it ended up being a good fit for less. 
Yeah, that's really helpful. And to know that, you know, there's so much when you're creating a business, there's so much more. I think this is how women think a little bit differently, but like there's just more that goes into it than the amount of money. Like women are very rarely solely motivated by money. It's so much about kind of like what you said about the fit, about what this company, what you've built and what it's going to look like after you leave the company. And it sounds like you just did, you put a good amount of um, thought and time into like kind of parceling out those pieces, which is so important. I remember talking to a guy, this was in our, we have, we run a private practice called Somerset Advisory for fa private families, Emily and I do. Um, and I remember talking to this man and I remember being floored because he was about to sell his company for $22 million. And he comes to me and he says, and he's 55 and he says, I'm going to sell my company for $22 million. I said, that's awesome. Congratulations. Like, what are you going to do with yourself? And he looked at me like a dog looking at a clock. Like no one had ever asked him what he was going to do with himself who had built this company. And he's like, well, I've never really thought of that before. And he didn't end up selling because he wasn't ready. I mean, I think that you, there's a lot of elements that go into it. It doesn't matter male or female that, you know, it's, it's a very complex process and one that deserves your time and attention and not just a number, like a price tag, even if it is 22 million, maybe that's not enough. It just, I don't know. That's the way that I think each person it, it's individual to them. And, um, we started the process, I want to say nine months before it was actually sold. And this was a small, you know, a small business. So I can't imagine if you were selling your business for 22 million, how long before and how many people are involved with a sale along those lines. There's a lot of interesting things like even sellmybusiness.com will show you a little bit how you can evaluate. There's business brokers you can connect with. If you tell them what type of business you have, you share your P&L and you share kind of the industry you're looking at. Um, that will help broker. And I believe they take around five to 7% of the overall sale, which is interesting. If you go to people, you know, you kind of skip that almost like if you were selling a piece of real estate and you know, somebody that wants to buy your home before you, you get a real estate agent. Um, it works out better in your favor, you know, and also you don't have the mystery of somebody you don't know purchasing that business. I know that you also have to think, do you have employees that it's important for you to, for them to have jobs after you leave? and kind of what dynamic you're looking for afterwards, because that makes a difference on the sale that you're looking for and maybe the overall number. Also, um, I feel like there's so many, there's such a big topic, but um, I'm losing my train of thought, Lauren. I'm trying to think of other things that could be helpful for people who want to sell their business. I think probably making a list of the tangible, intangible assets, potentially getting a business broker, thinking about people who want to buy their business. And if you have businesses that aren't like yours, like I own a public relations firm right now, we're not selling the firm, but you know, if, if I did maybe a social media agency or somebody that wanted to have a different Rolodex of services makes sense. So that's kind of just thinking a little bit um, on a broader picture of what other industries could benefit. But does anybody have any questions on this front that I could help address? So I just posted that in the chat feature and it, feel free to ask questions. You can, you can chat or you can unmute your line if you have one. Sometimes we're a quiet bunch, um, but anyway, we'll see what happens. Okay, it looks, it looks like people are being quiet, but let me ask you one more question before we get off. So 
um, we approached, we're doing this launch day in Atlanta and we're asking all these amazing women from Georgia to help us and just share their story. Um, why did you say yes to this? I mean, that's just always our, our question and we're so grateful that you did, but what, what was it about this particular ask that you said yes? That's such a fun, a fun question. I said yes, because I believe in, in what you're doing. And I think it's so important. I tell, I have two younger sisters and I always tell them, know what you're worth, know to ask, ask questions and be aware of your finances always. And I think everybody knows women, especially who, who aren't aware of their finances and whether they're 25 or they're 55, you're, you're, it's shaky waters knowing what steps you can take next in your life on a personal level. And it's always good to be aware of. And I think opening people's eyes to that and bringing awareness to the front and also open conversations about money and how to save, how to better invest are just, are, are really key and something that I wish I knew more about and I'm um, really fascinated about. And I'm grateful for you creating a community of support for females to have this open dialogue. Well, we appreciate you being a part of it. We really do. And, um, and thank you for coming on. And we'll talk to you soon when it's less loud in the background. <laughs> thank you so much for having me today, Lauren. And everybody right. tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.